I say, footman. Yes, sir. Yes? Where is Mozart? Um, have you checked lying down face first in the gutter, sir? He likes his drink. Why don't you go outside and see if you can find him? No. I wish for have him to play me some music. Have you checked the wig shop, sir? He enjoys his wigs. He wears a wig? Perhaps you'll find him at the prostitute house. He enjoys that. Maybe he's bought himself a wig and had a prostitute. Maybe you'll find him and the prostitute laying face down in the gutter. Just listen for his distinctive laugh. Is the prostitute going to be wearing a wig as well? Who knows? Anything's possible, sir. It is Vienna. Fetch me my searching wig. everybody and welcome to Lead Seating. I am Jason Hart. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether or not that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, we are going to watch one of the greatest character assassination movies ever put to screen. And that movie <laughs> is Amadeus. Yeah, baby. You know, its crown of character assassination was, was taken away after Braveheart came out. <laughs> oh, this one's worse. Oh, no, yes, this one's much, much worse. So, Steve. Yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Steve, do you have any trivia for Amadeus? I do have some trivia about Amadeus. Great. Let's hear it. And just for funsies, none of my trivia is about how historically inaccurate it is. Oh, mine is. I, I, well, <laughs> I, I, I was sure we were going to talk about it. <laughs> I, I kind of brought up the premise as to why I have a problem with it there you in, go. The opening, in the opening of this show. Hmm. I wonder if he has a problem with the many historical inaccuracies. Hmm, maybe. There are quite a few. Okay. There are quite a few. But, so. It's almost nothing but. Are yeah, you kidding? Yeah. It's not. It is. It is. It is. It's more. It's not even historical. It's more historic-ish. It's historic fiction yeah, again. Yeah, it is. It's 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 historical fiction. Um, but rather than making up oh your own composers in Vienna, they just said, "Yeah, fuck it, let's ruin this man's reputation." Well, I mean, what is the is the Salieri estate gonna sue you? No. Like Peter Schaefer was like, "Oh no, Salieri's great great grandkids." Like he doesn't give a shit. Um, no, he doesn't because he knew he was he was basing this play on um, on rumors that were made up by people. Yes, that's yes yes. Mm -hmm. So great. I'm sure we'll talk about that. At some point, but because um, sure. that is, I mean, it is, it is very interesting. But um, I'm going to make a point that we may we talk about. I hope we God do. I'd love to talk about all the inaccuracies in Amadeus. Crumble, crumble. <laughs> um, so the this the movie, uh, of course, as you said, it's it's considered a classic. It's been hailed as an artistic achievement, but it's also a great mm -hmm. technical achievement. It was shot almost entirely on location um, in Czechoslovakia, mostly in Prague. The theater where the scenes from Don Giovanni are performed is the same actual theater where Don Giovanni premiered. Um, That's right. And in a truly Kubrickian move, the film was shot entirely without modern electrical lighting, which... I don't think that's true. I see. I, I looked that up in a few different places because I found that difficult to believe, too. Me, too. Because there are so many interiors, but apparently they were able to shoot 
with natural light. Um, so yeah. Did they knock down a wall? I, I no mean, idea. what did they do? It, I mean, all I, I like I said, I found a couple of different references to it because I was skeptical as well. Uh, but if that is true, that is quite an achievement because it is because the yes. movie looks gorgeous, and to think that it was shot entirely with natural light and you know candlelight and stuff like that is is phenomenal um yeah another cool technical thing about it all of the piano playing seen in the film is correct the actors always appear to actually be playing the piece that they are supposed to be playing in the scene um and this was achieved by having the music played on the set during filming and the actors in particular tom holse who plays mozart practiced piano for hours a day so that their playing in scenes would be correct so when you see mozart playing on the piano the fingering is completely correct he's, that's right he's just not banging he's, away he's not it, just doing cut to a, he's not doing the a pair of stunt hands <laughs> he's not doing like the thing when people play guitar where they just strum and they're not even playing any notes on the neck they're just like i'm playing the guitar um also f murray abraham learned to read and conduct music um okay preparation this is from cinema cinema cine photograph okay okay is this about the lighting thing yeah. okay um, the film picked up eight Academy Awards in 1985, including Best Picture, and was, by and large, absolutely shot with very expensive lights. However, <laughs> there is one scene, there is one scene that was shot using available light out of necessity, and the filmmaker's approach is one of the most extravagant examples of natural lighting in cinemas. Principal photography took place in Prague. They're not saying which scene it was. Interesting. Uh... Let's see. Oh, I think it's the theater scene. They're saying that due mostly to neglect from the communist era, the um, Stavosky Diavolo was literally was literally a fully functioning 18th century theater in 1983, a combination of legal necessity. So th they were using the light that was present in the theater, which was all candlelight. Yeah, yeah. Because I know I, I, I've, I know that that theater, I think they, they shot several of the theater scenes in that theater. They just, you know, dressed it differently so it looked like different theaters. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And you can see those in some of the shots, like you can see those humongous candelabras, you know, that are hanging from the ceiling that are literally candles, candelabras. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, I can see that. I wonder how it got the reputation that they shot the whole thing on natural light then. Because I saw you that mentioned in multiple go. places. Yeah, if they do, if they do, it, it just goes through rumor, I think. Probably. It just kind of expands on itself. It's like how, you know, Ronald Reagan was going to be play Rick. Yeah, yeah. Most people just take that as fact it becomes and like they don't a thing. look into yeah. it. Right. Yeah. But you shoot you shoot some some of the scenes with the natural lighting that's available to you out of necessity and all of a sudden because there's no I when you said that I immediately thought there is no way. I would like I said I was because I the was lighting would become too. so would become so sourcey. Um, I'm thinking of, for example, there's a couple of scenes at um, Salieri's home. Oh, yes. During the daytime. Yeah. That are well lit. Where that if, are very well lit. That are yeah. well lit. Well, he's not, no part of his face is in shadow. Yeah. And I'm like, there's not enough windows in there for this to work. Yeah. As soon as you said it, so. Reflectors. Debunks. Reflectors. Reflectors. Oh, yeah, they had reflectors. They had nine of them <laughs> to, to redirect that sunlight from the window. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, next piece of trivia. I know you love your Oscars trivia. Oh, goddamn! The movie won Best Picture at the Oscars, and the, sure. the play on which it was based also won the Best Play Tony Award in 1979 when it was a play. Yes, it, it did. Yes, it did. This has only happened three other times where the movie and the play both won their Best 
production award. And that those times were My Fair Lady, The Sound of Music, and A Man for All Seasons. Those were the only times that a, a Best Play Tony Award winner has been adapted into a Best Picture winning film. And Amadeus. Amadeus. You know who played Solieri? I, I know Ian McKellen was, and the the, play? was the big yeah, one. Yeah, Ian, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. More than 1,100 performances yeah. of that. Jesus. Didn't get the movie, though. Well, that's because they wanted it with an American cast. They made. They decided, yeah. kind of. Most. Well, well no, the, the German characters are American. They're, they're, the, that's an, I didn't mention this in, the, in, in my trivia, but the, the, the language convention in the film is all the German characters or German-speaking characters are played by Americans and speak with American accents. So if a character mm-hmm. speaks with something other than an American accent, that character is you know, an Italian or some other, from, from someplace other they than They should Austria, have mixed Germany. it up more. If they were going to make all the German characters be American, then they should have made all the Italian characters be Filipino and all the French characters be, I don't know, Inuit. I th- that would have well, been cool. I just think the Italian characters should all have spoken with Italian accents, like the Capellmeister. They all should have been, hey! Like Salieri should have been, <laughs> hey, come on! What are you doing? Ah! The Kapellmeister is one of my favorite characters. Oh, in this I, love, movie. I love the Kapellmeister. I, I love all the characters, but the Kapellmeister is fantastic. He, he's always he, they always they're always fanning him at, during the shows when they cut to like him sitting in his box. You know, in the he's opera. under <gasps> all of. They should be fanning him constantly. He's sweating in scenes where he's just sitting. He's just there. sitting there. Are you okay, he's man? Got a, he, the man is overweight, old. He's got a wig on and nine layers of wool yeah. under under the non-existent studio lights. <laughs> uh, one last he was guy. broiling. They should have had someone just fanning, fanning him, constantly. him constantly. Please help me. <sighs> but it does make the outtakes funny every time he, you know, passed out from. Uh, he, I, he nearly died. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tom, That's and then, not true. then Tom Hulse would do the Mozart laugh, and somebody would say, "No, this is serious, Tom." No, Tom, he's he's down. I can't get out of character. I have to stay <laughs> in character. <laughs> um, There's blood in his mouth. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, one last trivia. bit of trivia. Come on, one last bit of trivia. Um, uh, this is also speaking of awards. It is. To date, the last film to receive multiple Best Actor Oscar nominations, because both F. Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse were nominated for Best Actor. Um, mm-hmm. There has been one film since then that was nominated, f- that it got two nominations in the Best Actress category, and that was Thelma and Louise. Both, they were both nominated mm-hmm. for Best Actress, but specifically in Best Actor, the last time that two actors were nominated and best actor for the same movie was Amadeus. And of course, F. Murray Abraham won. Yeah. So there you go. And that doomed his career for all it kinda did. the rest it, of the 80s. Of the, yeah, because people talk about like the Oscar curse and F. Murray Abraham is well, kind yeah. of is, is kind of exhibit A for that. I mean, he continued to work. Like he he's he you know, he continues to do stuff up to this day, and he's a fantastic actor. But yeah, he Of course really, he is, yes. He really I mean it, it was like, oh, he won best actor for this acclaimed performance in this fantastic movie. What happened to him? Oh, I don't know. He's been doing some TV. I don't know. <laughs> he's playing a stretchy face alien in one <laughs> he, of the Star Trek he was, movies. He was a villain in one of the lesser star trek movies he was in 13 ghosts he played the bad guy that was great he did some tv oscar awards don't mean jack shit they don't mean anything Steve. they really don't they really don't it doesn't mean anything if they're not right for certain roles it's not like they can't get them it's like yeah 
You know, unless you're like, quote unquote, a good looking leading man, it doesn't lead to anything. Look at F. Murray Abraham. What else was he going to play? Right. Oh, next uh, F. Murray Abraham is going to be playing JFK and the JFK story. It's (laughs) no. I think they should have done more Salieri movies. I mean, there's that whole section of his life from the death of Oh, you mean the one about who he really was? Well, no, I think they should have just kept making shit up with him and just just do more more Salieri movies. Is Salieri, you know, back... Can he just become the the evil figure behind everything? He's the one that tries to kill Archduke Ferdinand. Yes. You know, he's he's an immortal being that just just, is forward vengeful. He Forrest Gumps his way through history and is responsible for, like, every... Tragic death, f- fucking perma virgin that they've turned him into. He puts, uh, he puts this married man in real life. He puts John Wilkes Booth up to the Lincoln assassination. No, he is John Wilkes. Booth. He, he actually is John Wilkes. He Booth. disguises he takes, himself. He, he takes John on Wilkes. the identity. <laughs> John Wilkes Booth is just a dude in a play, and he goes, "I'll frame him," and he dresses himself up like John Wilkes Booth. See? And then he's running out of the theater. He breaks his leg like he did when he jumped from the yeah. jumped from the balcony. And he's like, Mahaha. And he runs off. They find him they find him manipulating Hitler there in the fucking go. pub houses in Germany there after World War One. <sighs> See? That there you go. You do know I love this movie, right? <laughs> I should hope so. It's a guy. <laughs> You do know I love the, I love this movie and I love the play. See, I wish I would love to see the play because the play is I, I understand the play is different from the movie. I mean, they're I mean, well, it has to well, be. well, obviously, but I mean that well because the uh, you'll you'll probably talk about it when you do the Who Made It's, but like the 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 screenplay was adapted by Peter Schaefer, who wrote the original yeah. play, and he yeah. and Milos Forman kind of collaborated on it and sort of made kind of a new thing. That was obviously based on the play, but yes. has a lot of its own mm-hmm. stuff in it as well. So, Speaking of, who made hey! this thing? <laughs> it was directed by Milos Forman, and he's made movies like Ragtime and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and that that movie that, that broke Jim Carrey, Man on the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Screenplay by Peter Schaefer, and he is a playwright. And uh, the other play that he wrote that probably some people would know is the oh, oh so uplifting Man Likes to Fuck a Horse play, Equus. Ah. Mm. And you know, there's some horse play in Amadeus, too. Interesting. <sighs> okay. That scene where Mozart is walking through town and he puts his hand on the horse's ass as he walks by. That was Peter Schaefer. Mm. I need it. Put it in there. He touches a horse. He has to. (laughs) Based on Amadeus by Peter Schaefer. Produced by Saul Zantz, who also produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, this movie, Amadeus, and The English Patient, a movie that I'll probably never see. You've never seen it? Don't care to. It's not that I saw it the the same year it came out, and my response was basically, oh, Like, yeah, I that's exactly. It, I was like, it was beautiful. It was beautifully shot. Sure, like, it was gorgeously. Okay. But, I mean, in terms of the story, it was just like, oh yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> you know? And is it a classic? Nope. People don't really talk about it anymore, do they? Now, I don't yeah. think that there are you know fans. I don't think that there are English patienteers. I don't know what they'd call themselves. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Starring F. Murray Abraham as Antonio Salieri. In name only. You know him from... (laughs) 
You know him from uh, Inside Lewin Davis and the Grand Budapest Hotel and Homeland. Notice I only picked the good things. I did not include 13 Ghosts. Like, what the fuck are you doing in this movie? Don't get me wrong. I actually kind of enjoy 13 Ghosts. It is a dippy, stupid horror movie. But there, there you, are parts of it that I just, I really enjoy. You did not enjoy his. Is, you did not enjoy his towering performance as Ruafo in Star Trek Insurrection. I try not to think about the whole movie at all. I know you like. I it, like. But I, I don't I think find it I, underrated. Yes, I find it to be two hours of a of a one hour episode of Star you Trek. I don't think it's cool seeing Space with, Salieri squaring off against Patrick Stewart. I never needed a dial. I never needed dialogue between Crusher and Troy of them talking about their tits. I didn't need that. You didn't need it, but did you, you need I, that? You, I didn't. We didn't need it, but we got it. See, here's the thing. <laughs> I figured by that point in the future, we'd solved for that already. <laughs> like, yeah, your boobs can be as tight or as, or as floppy as you want them to be. It's the 24th century. That's right. It's, it's a shot. It's 24th century. <laughs> you take a shot. It's a shot or a spray or it's something. Spray. I don't know. <laughs> there, they're fine. What? Okay, Tom Hull says Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart in Nemo. Um, and he's been in Animal House and Parenthood, and he was the voice of the Hunchback in Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, and he's really not been doing much of anything. Hopefully he saves his money from the handful of high-profile projects he's gotten to be in. Maybe maybe got a percentage off of, uh, off of Amadeus. Who knows? Elizabeth Barrage as Constance Mozart, and she was in Hidalgo, and she's been on a lot of TV, but she's really not made that very, very many movies, which surprises me because I really like her. She was, and she's very good in this. Yeah, and in the director's cut, you can see your boobies. Yeah. Oh, I would love to talk about the director's cut. Well, we have to because that's the that's, only one I can I find. Know, me too. Me too. <laughs> I have think I have thoughts about that as well. <laughs> I think I had the I had the regular cut when I had it on VHS mm. in 1991. Yeah, and then after that, there was director's cut only. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, there's a spoiler. Hey guys, we had to watch the director's cut because finding the not director's cut would make us have to purchase things <laughs> and stick them into players that we don't Ar- have Ar- archaic <laughs> forms of home video. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I like her a lot. Yeah, I really yeah, do. She's great. Um, Simon Cowell as Emmanuel Schickenier. Schickenier. Schickenader. Schickenader. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at us breaking that German, that all Germans are Americans rule. He was in, also in Room with a View and Shakespeare in Love. He's a yeah, British he guy. Yeah, he does speak with He yeah, ain't it, no American. Yeah. He ain't no American. I'm paying son. these people to wait for you. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's my favorite line of his in the movie. <laughs> Of which one? From Shakespeare from, in Love? No, from Amadeus. They, oh, okay. I don't remember any oh, of his right. lines from Shakespeare in Love. That's right. <laughs> Christine Ebersole as Katarina Calaveri. And you guys know her from such classics as My Girl 2. Oh, yeah. Richie Rich. Oh, boy. And Mac and Me. Good for her for riding that Amadeus train straight to superstardom. <laughs> There's no telling where your career is going to go. No. You can be in a Milos Forman movie that wins multiple Academy Awards, and two years later, you're fucking making Mac and <laughs> You're in, or you're, you're in like, My Girl too. You're in the sequel to that Macaulay Culkin movie where <laughs> he dies from a beast right. thing. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones is a guy that we really can't talk a whole lot about because... It, it, it turns out he's kind of evil. 
Who, yeah, it turns <sighs> out he's really bad because he solicited he's sex a, from a minor and was caught yeah, with child pornography. No. He hasn't really worked much since that came Imagine out. Imagine that. He was ahead of the curve. He got in and the whole being exposed for being a creepy pervert way before anyone else did. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's been in, he, you know him as the principal from Ferris Bueller's yep. Day Off and as the dad in Beetlejuice yep. and the bad guy in Howard the Duck and a whole bunch of other things. He was in Hunt for Red October. He's been in a ton of stuff. And then this came out, I think, in the 90s, didn't Either it? Either that or the early 2000s. Or maybe the early It's been, it's early been a 2000s. while. It's been a while, yeah. He was ahead of the curve. Yeah. He, he was doing it before he became popular. Where he yeah. got he got caught, and I'm sure that he's been in a few things. I know that there are some people who are still trying to get him work, but I say fuck yeah, him. Yeah, well, fuck. There's other there's other character actors. Fuck him. Which is a shame because just like a lot of other people that I've had to say fuck him to, he's really talented. Yeah, that's, and he's a really good yeah, actor. Yeah, and he's a great comedic actor. Absolutely. And like, why'd you have to Jesus, turn out to be a piece dude. of shit? You fucking piece mm-hmm. of shit. <laughs> Kenny Baker as Parody Comendatore. And we know Kenny Baker. Yeah. He was R2D2. And a whole bunch. And he was Fidget in Time Bandits. That's right. And he's great. Nicholas Kepros as Count Hieronymus von Colladero, Prince Archbishop of Salzburg. The Archbishop. That's the guy I was trying to do during our opening skit. Oh, was that, that who was you were trying yeah. to do? Okay. Cynthia Nixon as Laurel. You, you know, Mozart's maid. Yeah, little baby Cynthia Nixon. And the only other thing she's been in is Sex in the City. She went from that directly to... <laughs> she's she's been doing that ever since. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Vincent Chevalli as uh, Salieri's valet. He's only in the beginning, but boy, he really makes a meal yeah. of that. You'll recognize him because he's been in everything else, too. He's living proof in this movie is that there are no small parts. He's great. He only has like, what, two minutes? Yeah, but you're right. Trying to cajole Salieri to eat something. It's mostly just him talking to a door, but he makes it count. Exactly. Um, And he's been in everything, but you guys saw him in Ghost and you saw him in Buckaroo Banzai and you've seen him in TV and you've seen him in tons of other movies. Cinematographer by Cinematography by Miroslav (laughs) Odrach. Miroslav, there are so many umlauts over R's and I's and C's in his name. Andrzejczyk. Andrzejczyk Andrzejczyk. would be my guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, he worked on Ragtime and Awakenings and um, Life According to Garp. Is that the name? World According to Garp, yeah. World According, whatever, fuck it, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? No one's watched it in God knows how long. It's not like there's a whole GARP community out there going, oh, they're mentioning GARP. The GARPies. <laughs> the GARPies. Why are they going to review if that anyone, one? If anyone can hear that, literally 20 feet away, my dog is snoring so loud that I think it's being picked up on the no, microphone. Not an Amadeus fan, huh? No, not really. There's not enough dogs. There's that one dog scene with Baron Harkonnen. There's not enough dogs. He's, he's, <laughs> yes, one, that is Baron that that one is dog Baron scene. Harkonnen. Yes. Yes. That is. Um, cinematography, I did him, edited by Nina Danovic. Danovic, nothing. And Michelle, or Michael, excuse me, Michael Chandler. And he's done mostly documentaries. Not a whole lot of feature films, or any at all that I could find. Production company, The Saul's Ants Company. Distributed by Orion Pictures in the United States. And Thorne Emmy Screen Entertainment internationally. Release date, September 19th. 1984 summer film yeah you know you were 
here you are, it's 1984, I was 15 years old, and I was like, hey, fellas, let's go to the cinema, and we'll go watch Amadeus, I hear it's great, it's a Milos Forman movie. And they're like, we want to we wanna watch something with space in it, or maybe, like, a serial killer, like a, like a guy who kills people. I'm like, well, this one has that. Yeah, there's all kinds <laughs> of serial killing in this movie. If you want to watch a movie about a, a made-up made maniac who kills somebody... Amadeus is perfect. <laughs> right up your alley, friend. <laughs> uh, uh, running time, 161 minutes. Budget, $18 million. Adjusted for inflation, $51.5 million. Box office, $90 million. Or, adjusted for inflation, $2 million. $2 million. <laughs> million point eight, guaranteeing that it's going to win Best Picture because it made enough money. Yes. There you go. Whenever... There you go, Oscar. You happy? <laughs> when a... When a... a, a sort of serious cinematic film makes that much money that's basically winning best picture you're like okay that's yeah. gonna be this one <laughs> yep 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 all right steve yeah. you ready i'm ready all right okay let's get dressed right. i'm gonna put on put on my my um, breeches yes my stockings my high-heeled shoes with the buckles and on i'm it. gonna put on my, my movie review and wig my shirt got a special <laughs> movie review and wig do you? Yeah. I can't afford oh, one. Oh, honey. Rats ate the last oh. one after they killed my wife with the plague. <laughs> oh, Vienna. It hasn't been, it hasn't been good. <laughs> Things haven't been going very well for me. That's how we should have opened the show, as two opera critics from Vienna. The, 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 the Amadeus the version of Statler and Waldorf. Where we go out and into the square, sit down on chairs, and with... With megaphones, just shout our opinions at each other. <sighs> and you know, I would be complaining that they're all too long. Mm, oh, just a second, I got to get my tricorn hat, and my my coat, and my waistcoat, and my undershirt, shirt. There we go. Rings, walking stick yes. that I don't fucking never need. touches the ground. Walking it. stick never even never. touches the ground. <laughs> and let's you and I happily skip yes. into the world. Of Amadeus, Steve, take it away. Mozart. Yeah, yep. what a great way to start uh, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> we just it just a, a simple fade in to an exterior of Vienna. Just in case you were like, okay, I'm just gonna sit down and watch uh, watch this movie called Amadeus. I wonder what it's about. And as soon as you, <laughs> you think that, someone screams, Mozart. Like, oh, I, I bet it's about Mozart. So yeah, we, mm -hmm. we see a series, we get a series of exterior shots and we hear the voice of who turns out to be Salieri and he's, he's calling out Mozart and he's confessing to killing Mozart. He's saying, you know, uh, I confess I killed you. Forgive me, Mozart. Mm -hmm. And, and then we cut to Salieri's house and this is when we see Vincent Schiavelli and the other guy and their servants at the house and. They've come up to mm -hmm. Salieri's room and the door is closed and they're, they've brought him like a snack. They brought him a snack. And they're like, it's your two o'clock sugar feeding. Exactly. Hello. <laughs> Open the we door. Know, we, we really make sure that everyone understands that you love sugar. You have a sweet you tooth. You love it so <laughs> you do. Which is true. Which he is, did. I was going to say, that's apparently one of the, the few historically accurate parts of the character. One of the yeah. only historically um, accurate things about his character is he loved sugar. But yeah, so they're pounding on the and, door and he's not coming to the door and then they hear him gasping and they hear something metal clattering to the ground. And they hear him bang into the piano. Yeah, and they're like, oh, this might be while serious. So. While one guy is licking the cream out of the bowl <laughs> yes. and the other one has one of the 
one of the one sugar of the rolls crammed yeah. halfway down. If you don't come out, I'm going to eat. All. Okay, I hear you fall on the floor, but if you're on the floor bleeding to death, yeah. I'm just going to eat all of these desserts <laughs> unless you let me in. And mm, these are so delicious. Yeah. He does tell him it's the best thing he's yeah, ever Yeah, he said, I've never eaten anything like this in my life. Yeah. Um, and finally, yeah. they break through the door, and there is old man Salieri on the floor, and he has just mm-hmm. cut his throat with a razor. So Yeah. And he's like holding up the razor and he falls down and they just kind of stare at him. Like, but they they whisk him away. And where do they whisk him away to? The crazy house. The crazy uh, house. Well, first uh, they an, bandage an, him. An early nineteenth century asylum in Europe. It must be the best place, That's the most right. magical place on earth. The happiest place on earth. <laughs> and someone has called for a priest. That's right. A priest who's going to lose his faith in oh, God. Oh boy, it's gonna be a I it's mean, gonna be a not, big day for this priest. Yeah. And he comes in, and there's Salieri sitting in a chair. His, his throat's all bandaged up. He's looking pretty old. And he's like, hey, you like music? And he's like, yeah, I like good music. And he's like, here, listen to this. And the priest is like, that's the shittiest thing I've ever heard. That's terrible. That's the shits. You what know anything else? Fuck? What kind? Did you get a, a drunk monkey to compose that? Good God. And Salieri's like, well. And he, Salieri's, well, what, what about this? And then he plays a little Mozart. Yeah. And and then the priest goes that that I just came in my pants and I'm not supposed to admit that because I'm a priest but that is the greatest mu- music I have ever heard in my entire life I swear to you you wrote that wow you're awesome he walks can right I fillet in. you because I loved it that much I'm fuck being a priest I loved it it's Salieri and Salieri like, tells I didn't him what write it. mm-hmm. He said, that was Mozart. And the priest didn't go, who? He he just said, oh. And so, you know, we start talking about Mozart as a kid, don't we? Yeah, how Mozart was, uh, well, because it's a really nice moment because uh, the priest says, you know, he mentions Mozart. And then the priest is like, oh, the guy you say you killed. And Salieri just kind of gets quiet. And the priest says, offer me your confession and the first Mm -hmm. thing that Salieri says after the priest says offer me your confession is Salieri says he was my idol and and then bad priest steps in and goes look you're gonna talk now you understand (laughs) or I'm or I'm gonna I'm gonna come after you he hits him in the head with a big heavy bible (laughs) boom I'm gonna I'm gonna complete the job that you started yeah and he's like I was just about to confess you I was gonna tell the whole story if you just hang back for a second Good, good priest is like, I don't think we need to. He's going to okay. talk, which is cool. I think we're good. Yeah. He's, you know. All right, well, I've got the thumbs from <laughs> just I'm standing right over here. I'm looking at you, Sal- Salieri. <laughs> yeah, so Salieri tells about how, you know, when, when Salieri was a kid, he heard the stories of young Mozart, who, of course, was a great, mm-hmm. famous musical prodigy. He could, you know. How? How did he hear the stories? Yes. Good question. How did he hear the stories of baby Mozart? Does he say? No. I can't remember. Because they're not that similar in age. Yeah, because well, Salieri <laughs> is older. Um, in, yes, in, he is in, older. In the movie, he's portrayed as, I mean, it's never, it's never exactly, when we see scenes of young Salieri and then we see scenes of young Mozart, it's not explicit that these things are happening at the same time. Like, there, there is an age difference between them in the movie, but it's never clear, like, exactly how much older Salieri is supposed mm-hmm. to be in but the But Salieri came from a, a poorer family, and somehow, yeah. I guess, the newspaper, oh, wait, there wasn't any. Somehow he listened on the radio. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait that wasn't. wasn't. He that. heard stories of young Mozart. <laughs> well, I, I guess maybe, because Mozart 
did travel around and he was, you know, known, but it's, it's possible maybe Salieri could have heard about him, but. Mm -hmm. Maybe he read one of the posters, come see the music freak. Yeah, exactly. And, and he was like, I want to be like the music freak, Papa. And Papa said, fuck you. You're not going to be a music freak. You're going to do whatever I do for a living. You're going to do business. That's right. You're going to do business like I do. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Who paid for his music lessons up until he died? Who paid for who paid for his music? Salieri's. Lessons? I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. guess his father. Yeah, his parents. <laughs> I'm did. gonna guess his father. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. so we we see some scenes of Mozart, you know, banging away on a piano with a blindfold on while he's a fucking fetus right, playing for the Pope and, and his, yeah. yeah yeah playing for the Pope. Meanwhile, Salieri wants to be a musician so badly. And he's like praying to God, dear God, please make me a musician. I promise I will never fuck anybody except for my wife. It, I will never fuck anybody except the woman I was married to. <laughs> and, and in exchange, you make me a composer. And then his daddy dies. Yeah. Choking on a chicken bone. And then we skip ahead a little. We, his yeah, we his father dies. Um, yeah, uh, yada, yada, yada. I'm in Vienna and I'm the court we skip composer. skip all the interesting... <laughs> Interesting stuff about Salieri being picked up at, you know, as an orphan by a, a classic composer who was so impressed with his work that he decided to tutor him for the rest of his life and got him the post that he is. we find him in in this movie. Instead, we just assume he's a hack and he just failed up, right? Well, if you, if you want to assume that. I don't personally assume that he's a hack, but anyway, yeah, we... we, we, we <laughs> you we, don't? Because they want to make sure you think that. Oh, well, that's part of the that, movie that's, does. That's when, we get, when I get to my review, that's part of what I'm going to talk about in my review. But um, okay. anyway, yeah, we, right. we skip ahead. Salieri is an adult now, and he's established as a composer in Vienna, and he is the court composer of Emperor Joseph. And part of his job and is... And I will just say yeah. this. Jesus Christ, does, does Jeffrey Jones look like a... Photo, uh, a he does look. Yeah, if you've ever of seen a, of a royal, yeah, well, if you've ever seen the yeah, a painting of the actual Emperor Joseph, he really is like that's that's mm -hmm. the guy. <laughs> yeah, and part of Salieri's anyway, job this... is to give the to, to give the emperor piano lessons, and he says, you know, as he's mm -hmm. narrating to the priest, he says, you know, the the man had no ear at all. Like he he, yeah. he just had he's he loves music. He's very into music. He's known for being a patron of music. Has no talent for music whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, poor guy. Oh, well. Anyway, he goes to this function, doesn't he? Yes, yes. Because Mozart is, is in town to give a concert for, for, the, Archbishop, for the Archbishop of Salzburg, who I guess is visiting. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And Salieri, because Salieri, of course, knows Mozart only by reputation. He's never met him. He's never even seen him. So sure. he goes to this party no. to see, I'm going to meet me some Mozart. Mm -hmm. And he's wandering around and, oh, he sees sweets in a room that's closed <laughs> off. And he's going to go in there and he's going to sneak some because he likes sweets. He likes some Stunning food. Steak. Yes, he does. He, he, well, not specifically sweets. sweets. Yes. He really he's does. always eating sweets. Yeah. He called it sugar. He, was, he, he loved sugar. Yeah. Right. And while he's in there, a couple of reprobates break yeah. in and fuck each other and talk about shit. Yeah, he hides behind a table and uh, a, a, a girl comes running in and she's chased by a guy. And they, yeah, they play a game where the guy says things backwards and she has to figure it out. And it's always something filthy that he's made her say. Um, mm -hmm, right. And it turns out that this is Mozart because the the orchestra starts playing and he stands up and he's like, oh, shit, they started without me. That's my music. Right. And Salieri's like, that's Mozart? Fuck. <laughs> hey, Steve, yeah. how many future composers did Salieri tutor? A bunch. In real a bunch. life. 
Like Beethoven? Yes, 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 that's true, yes. So he was more than just the court composer. Oh, no, and, and, and I mean, he was, and he, he was, they, they, they kind of um, imply this in the movie, but the movie's not really about it. Like, he mm-hmm. was a very famous and well-regarded composer in his lifetime. I mean, it's not like he mm-hmm. was just some nobody who happened to have a, an important job. Like, he was, yeah. he, he was a very successful composer. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot also he tutored Franz yeah. Liszt, Schubert, and Mozart's son. <laughs> <laughs> Is this while he was? But they were better. Is, is this while he was killing him? <laughs> well, no. I was after. This was after, after Mozart. He after him. he had already killed Mozart, he was like, "I'm gonna teach your well, son." Well, I mean, Mozart's son was only four months old when Mozart uh, died. He looks older than that in the movie. So does he? I think it's implied that it's. Yeah, he does. Well, look he's older, like in he? the movie, he's like six or seven or something. When, 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 uh, who gives a whatever. shit it's about? A, it's, it's a movie. Who gives a shit? Well, see, now that's what I yeah. think. But anyway. Anyway, he is amazed that the um, person that loves scatological humor, because he did, um, is the guy who composed this music, yeah. right? He was shocked and amazed and kind of upset. Yeah, well, we, can, we get the first of several scenes where Salieri is reading the score after after the concert is over and quiet quietly coming in yeah because he can he hears the music in his head as he reads the score and it's the most that's right the most beautiful music he's ever heard and he is mm-hmm. simultaneously impressed and repulsed by mozart because he's like this incredible genius in the body mm-hmm. of this filthy little jerk <laughs> you know filthy little shit yeah. monkey exactly so we cut to the palace and they're talking about opera yeah. with the with the king, yeah. and the king kind of wants an opera in German, yeah. and the Italian guys. Well, one Italian guy, the other guy is is uh, the other guy is German, yeah. played by a British actor. Yeah, you know. and he <laughs> and they're like, no, you don't want to do it in German. You guys talk like you got something stuck in your throat. You can't make an <laughs> opera about that. That's stupid. Don't don't do it. And they kind of say, hey, let's, we want to send for Mozart. We want to commission an opera from him, right? Yeah. And they're like, great. And so Salieri says, I know, I'm going to make, I'm going to compose a little march for him when he, when he arrives. Cut back to the palace the day that he's arriving. The king has no idea what's going on. Yeah, he's just like, what are we doing today? And they're like, uh, Mozart's coming. Oh, cool. Okay. Yay. Is my sister dead yet? <laughs> not no, yet. No, no, that's not for a little while. <laughs> that's coming, but it's not, not for not a little yet. while. You can get scared later. It's okay. <laughs> you can get scared later. Um, <laughs> um. But the king sees that he's composed it, and he wants to play it for Mozart to come in. And so the king gets to bang yeah. on the piano and make a mockery of his music. It's great, because Salieri has clearly put his heart into this. Worked yeah, hard. Like we've seen, we see the scene where he's composing it at his piano and like he's look he's he basically like asks god to help him finish it like he fin- he and he's just grazie, he grazie he's signorly grazie. to the to the to the crucifix mm-hmm. so i mean he's really to to crucify yeah. christ and he's and he like gives him a thumbs gives up him a thumbs high fives him you know and mm-hmm. it's, so he's really tried to make this a a, a a a beautiful piece and then the fucking emperor who can't play for shit is like can i play it when mozart comes in and he can't say no because that's the emperor so he has to just stand there he's the king and be like what are you gonna do oh, sure of course i'd love for you to be the one to play it when he comes in that would oh, be great we could replace the emperor with the emperor <laughs> can i play it i would love to play for young mozart Yes, yes, use your hatred. I can sense your, ha- your hatred. I can sense your hatred growing in you, Antonio. 
Anyway, Mozart shows up. He's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, we want to do an opera. And and the king doesn't even remember what he said. He's like, we wanted it in... What language? What language? <laughs> and the, the Italian dude and the, and the other dude says, Italian. And that guy, I don't even know who he is. The guy in green with the... With the he doesn't really have a wig on because he's oh the, on yeah top. the chamberlain he the said chamberlain, oh yeah 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 did we bitches yeah. oh did and we like, well I don't. and then the other guy with the big wig says well we hadn't really come to a decision and the king's like fine german fuck you all yeah fuck and you. then mozart says well that's great because i've just found this awesome libretto all about a fucking whorehouse i'd love to make an opera <laughs> for you about a goddamn whorehouse and everybody's it'll be great they're all like shocked they're all like oh i can't and mozart's like no no it'll be great and i promise this won't be a pattern <laughs> no, no, it won't be a pattern, I swear to God. And also, the opening scene describes her vulva, and it's long. It's 30 minutes <laughs> 30 long, but minutes it's hot. Long. It's... <laughs> but no, 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 by the end by the end of the first act, there's 50 people on stage all singing about this lady's vulva. But it's completely clean. But it's, it's, very, it's yeah. And, and it follows German morals, so yeah, it will be great. Like love. It'll be great. Like love. Germany, the nation of love. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then the king uh, makes a present of the composition that Salieri made, and he says, oh, I don't need to, because I've memorized the whole thing. It's in my head. And they said, no, you're not. You, you lie. Prove it. You, you sit down at this harpsichord, and you play it. And he does. And then he tries to start improving yeah. it. He basically rewrites it while he's sitting there playing. On the fly. In front of Salieri. While, while he's playing yeah. it. And kind of criticizing yeah. it as yeah. well. And then after that, Salieri goes back to his house and he looks up at the crucifix of Jesus and he goes, uh, yeah, I, you know, you, you sarcastically says, yeah, you fuck. You know? And Christ is like, ha ha, gotcha. Just wait. It gets worse. <laughs> because remember this Salieri and like the one in real life is a perma virgin who has promised that he will never have That's sex. That's right. He has pledged in his exchange chastity. for his musical. Yes. He's pledged his chastity, but we get the scene where it's Constantina Kamakaba, the, the, the opera, opera singer. singer, yeah. And they're in a lesson together, and he obviously has a crush on yeah. her, right? Yeah. And he's like, Well, you've heard that the new Mozart play is about a prostitute, and they sing about a revolver for 30 minutes. And she's like, So long as it's good. And we cut to her and singing then she asks the lead about role. what he looks like. <laughs> we cut to, she asks about what he looks like. And he says, Well, I, I hear he's, he's kind of like a shaved already. He's like a hunchback. Says, it doesn't matter what he looks it. like. It's talent that I love. And then she's in it, yeah. right? And he can tell that he put his penis oh, in yeah. her. That Mozart has befouled that beautiful, yeah. that beautiful he lady. He don't like that. He right? don't like that. He don't like that. He's very upset. Even though he was never going to have sex with her, he's very That's upset. Right. But the king likes the show after they perform it. And then um, Constance runs up with his... And, and her, mo her, her mother, mother, yeah. her mother is yeah. with them. Her, yeah, Constance's mother, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they all say hi. And that... Oh, this is when it happens. It's when the opera singer see, sees that he's married and he she throws the roses at him and storms off and he goes chasing after her. That's when... Yeah. That's when Salieri's like, Salieri oh, knows. he's put his grubby fingers in her, yeah. right? But he goes back and he's talking to Jesus, who's already screwed him over once, yeah. right? With the whole with the whole thing. And he's like praying for something. What is he praying for at this point? 
He's asking why, isn't he? Yeah, why? Because we we cut back and forth to old Salieri a few times too, and he's talking he's t talking to the priest, basically saying like, you know, why would God choose this guy as his instrument? You know, after I pledged my life to him, and you know, and 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 mm -hmm. it seemed like he had answered my prayer. Like I thought that we were cool. He made me a great composer. He got me, you know, a great job, and now all of a sudden, here's Mozart. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Ding dong, here's Mozart. So there's a job coming up, right? Yes. Someone who's going to tutor the king's the daughter? The king's niece, I think. The king's yes. niece. And he approaches Salieri. And he's like, I want you to find an appropriate tutor for the king's niece. And he's like, yes, of course. Cut back to, and then, you know, because Mozart's running out of money, because he just spends it freely on God knows yeah. what drug, whatever drugs are. He, sno he snorts wig powder. <laughs> I don't know what he, I don't know he what he snorts doing. entire wigs. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. His wife's complaining, oh, we're almost out of money. And then we're back over at Salieri's place. He's tutoring someone. And who shows up? Well, Constance shows up because Mo Mozart is too proud and too egotistical to submit his work to be considered. Um, right. Because they establish a committee to decide which composer should get the job as, you know, the, the, the tutor to the emperor's niece. And Mozart is like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to read for it, dude. <laughs> like you're going to give mm. me, I don't audition. I'm Mozart. You just give me the job. And that's so, right. But his wife is like, we need money and you're being an asshole about this. So I'm just going to go behind your back to Salieri's house and show him your work. So we, he can consider you. I'm going to sneak out with your yeah. work and I'm going to show it to yeah. him. I'm going to ask you if it's any good. And can you help us? And Salieri, Salieri gives her some, some mm. sweets. He's very nice at first. Yes. But all he wants to do is look at the music. He looks at the music, has another orgasm in his pants, and drops the music to the floor. And he says, of course, I'll put in a good word for you, but you have to come over tonight and fuck yes. me. And she's like, okay. Yeah. Let me think about I'll it. I think sure. about it. That night, he's praying to Jesus. I don't know what he's praying for. I, to get fucked? I don't know what he's... he's praying, you know, I don't know what he's... He's praying for God <laughs> to, to fill him with his spirit and to allow him to compose one truly great piece of music. Good luck with that, bud. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Mozart shows up. She undresses down downward. This is this is all director's yeah. cut. They added like twenty. The director's minutes for cut the director's is like cut. yeah, it's like twenty. It's like half an hour longer. Yeah. She undresses all the way down to when she's topless, and then he rings for his servant and tells tells him to get her out of get yeah. her out of here. So he still remains a virgin. Oh, good for you, Salieri. <laughs> and he walks off. She goes home and she's crying. Mozart comes home after a night of whoring, drinking, and God knows what yeah. else. She says, I love you. And it's at this point, isn't it, where he takes down the crucifix that he's been praying to and tosses it in the fire. Yeah. And he says, from this point on, is this from the now on, we are, on we are enemies. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Way to go. Mozart shows up at Salieri's house and he's like begging for something. He's begging for what is he begging well, I, for? I this think because he's always he begging. Wants, um, <laughs> he he wants. He's asking who got the job with tutoring the king's niece, and Salieri tells him. Mm -hmm. And then Mozart, yeah, he asks for money, and Salieri says, you know, it's it's you you you'd better not become known as someone who is a debtor. You know, mm -hmm. like, uh, that's not going to mm -hmm. help your reputation. And then I think. 
Oh yeah, Mo, Mo, Mozart, he gets him a tutor Mozart job. Mozart Well, no, Mozart mentions this is the first time Mozart mentions that he's writing something in secret, and and Salieri yes. kind of says he basically he's like, Can I see yeah, it? Can I yeah, see I mean, please, he, please let me see. He never it. comes out and makes this makes. I can't have orgasms <laughs> with women, but I can when I read when I read your music sheets. Please, please, can you just write some music down on this just, on, on this a napkin and let yeah. me just let me read it and turn around, turn I'm around, read don't look at me. Yeah, he never actually comes out and says this, but the, it's implied that the deal is, look, I'll lend you some money, but tell me what you're working on. And Mozart says, no, right. I can't tell you. Um, so that, I can't do that. So then Salieri is talking to one of the other. I think he's talking to Baron Van Sweeten, the guy with the big brown wig. Um, and he says, like, isn't there any isn't there any job you can find for Mozart? And Salieri's like, well, there's one guy I can send him to. And this is the guy with the dogs. He goes to... And yeah. the guy with the dog, he sends him to Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> yes. And Baron Harkonnen and his wife want to sit in the same room while he tries to, um, you know, uh, tutor their daughter. They have all these dogs, and it seems like through it, Mozart agrees to sit down because the daughter's shy and play some music. And it seems like the only reason they have him there is so that they can train the dog not to bark at music. Yeah. yeah. And this upsets Mozart so much that he gets He drunk. grabs a bottle of champagne <laughs> on the way out and leaves. Yeah, he says, hey, next time you want me to instruct one of your dogs, let me know. And he leaves. That's right. And he gets home, and guess who's there? His papa! His papa! And he's so happy. And he, he lets him into his room, and the rooms are a fucking mess, and there are cards and food and bottles and garbage. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and his good-for-nothing wife <laughs> he's still is still asleep. asleep. Perhaps you should get up now, my darling. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why? I tried to fuck a guy. <laughs> I'd for your career, and you don't care, and you're sleeping with everybody. <laughs> and he's like hey let's she's like let's have some tea you know because the father's heard that he's in debt he lies to his dad about not about being in debt because he's in debt with a lot he's super in debt yes yeah but he says no let's go out let's Let's go go to a party and and spend even more money that we don't have (laughs) and we'll go to a We'll go, we'll go to this costume party, one of these pop-up costume parties that's going on. Yeah, And um, they go there, and they're all dressed up. And who else is it, there? Well, Salieri shows up. Why? Because he likes parties, too. I guess so. And then he gets to watch Mozart make fun of him. Yes, because they 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 By they're pretend. playing. They're basically playing like musical chairs. And when you are mm-hmm. the odd man out, you have to do a punishment. And Mozart's punishment is they play a piece of music, and then Mozart has to play it back in the style of whatever composer that somebody yells out. So you know, they exactly. yell out, and someone yells out Salieri. Yeah, somebody they say Bach, and, and they say, and then finally someone says Salieri, and he's Mozart's like, "Ooh, I got this!" And he plays it like you know, really slowly and kind of you know, off rhythm, and he's making faces and making, yeah, making faces, and he ends it with he a ends fart. it with a big fart, yeah. And then old Salieri says, "That's God. That's God laughing at me. Yeah, that's God laughing at me. I've gone crazy. God's laughing." Yeah. At me. Well, yeah. He says, "One day I will laugh at you." Yeah. That's right. Not according to this movie, but okay. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, the next day, a maid shows up. Yeah. And she's like, "Hi, uh, an anonymous person is is going to pay me to be here and help you." And the father is understandably wary. A little suspicious. But yeah. But um, Mozart and Mrs. Mozart are a couple of dumbasses, and they just say, yeah, come in. This will be great. It starts a fight between um, 
between the father and the yeah. daughter. Constance, uh, between yeah. Yeah. the father and Constance, right? And the maid listens to the whole thing through the window, through the door. And who does she report back to? To Salieri. Yeah, Salieri is doing it so he can get some he info, want, he, inside He info. wants to know what that secret thing is that Mozart is writing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and when they're gone, when they leave to go do something, anything, I want to get in. I get, get me in, in that house. apartment, yeah. And she's like... And she's like, okay. And she gets him in and he starts, he picks up what the secret super hush hush opera that he's yeah. on. And he's like, uh-oh. He goes back and sees the opera dudes. And he's like, hey, opera dudes. I got some hot goss. <laughs> he's he's doing the marriage of Figaro. I checked that shit out. And they're like, but the king said, I know what the king said, but he's doing it anyway. And they're just like, uh-oh. So they call a big meeting, the king and all the opera dudes and the king's like, hey, I hear you're doing the marriage of Figaro. Um, I said that's illegal because it angries up the blood. The play angried up the blood in France. Yeah. And I'm starting to get worried about my sister. Yeah. This isn't really the best time for, you know, emperors and kings and such. <laughs> there was a bunch of other stuff that, that she was doing that was anchoring up people. Some of it was propaganda. Other parts of it were pretty, yeah. you know, she was just, a, she was a clueless, clueless, you know, um, yeah. royal. No, no, no. It, it, was, no it was this play. It was, it was this play that did it. Yeah, that's right. It was the play that did it. And so he, that's why he made it illegal. And what eventually happens is Mozart talks him into listening to his idea. He says, there's nothing political in it. I can, yeah. I can totally show you I what took it's all, all the politics about. out. Music yeah, and, come on. That's right. And so he gets his way. Yeah. But while he's making it, they discover that there is a ballet in it. Yeah, and the king don't like that. And the king king don't like that. No ballet. And so then the composer comes up, rips out the music for the ballet, and then Mozart goes back to Salieri and goes, they, ripped up my, they took out my music's perfect, and I... How can you rewrite perfection, right? Yeah, and Salieri's like, okay, dude, I'll go talk to the emperor. And then he tells the priest, like, I didn't talk to the fucking emperor. <laughs> I didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck him. So they're at a rehearsal. All the all the opera people are there. And then all of a sudden, the emperor shows up. And they got to the part where there's no music, but people are still dancing. It's the funniest yeah. line in this fucking movie. The the prince is what is that? The king says, What what are what are they is doing? Is it modern? <laughs> is it modern? And he said, No, 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 no. You, you see, um by your decree, there can be no ballet. So there's They no took out the music. music, yeah. And Jeffrey Jones goes, But look at that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then he says, uh, it's actually it's a really great scene because they're the the all of his, you know, people have to give their opinions without offending yes. him. So, you know, he says to Salieri, he says, do you like this? And, yes, and, and Salieri says, it's not a, it's not a matter it's of, not liking. a matter of liking it. Your own law decrees it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the King makes him put the music back in and then it gets a performance, right? Yeah. And Salieri is, is gently, gently masturbating yes. him in, up, up in, in his, his balcony box, box yep. while watching it, <laughs> yep. loving every minute of it. But then the 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 king, the emperor, yawns, yeah. and he explains that had he yawned three times, the show would have closed that night. If he had yawned twice, they maybe get three performances. But one yawn, and he got what eight, nine. eight nine performances, performances, and then it was yeah. nine. Then it was closed, and. Uh, 
Well, it starts complaining to Salieri again. He's like, I mean, I wrote the most brilliant thing in the world. What's wrong with people? And he kind of mocks Salieri again, based on the things that Salieri does that makes him, for that time, a popular composer. Yeah, yeah, because Salieri Salieri says, I think you overestimate the audience because you didn't Mm -hmm. even you didn't even end songs with a bang. So they knew when to clap. And Mozart says, well, maybe you can give me some lessons in that. And he right. doesn't, here's the thing about Mozart. He doesn't mean to be insulting. He just says shit like that because. He just be, is. Yeah. It's, it's in yeah. his, it's in his how bones. He does, he's not aware of what an asshole, he's a huge asshole to almost everybody he talks to in the movie. He's not trying to be, yeah. he's just that egotistical and that sort of self-centered that he comes across that way to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we cut to Salieri performing one of, conducting one of his mm-hmm. operas. and <laughs> Mozart uh, insults uh, him again. Mozart insults him again, but I mean, after getting the, uh, after getting an award from the emperor, declaring that this is the greatest opera yeah. ever, Mozart comes up and goes, yeah, if you like shit, <laughs> Basically. you're shit. Congratulations on your shit award. Sounds exactly like the kind it. of music you write. What can you say? <laughs> and uh, what does he say? You, you can't help but think Salieri. Yeah, when, 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 when one you hear hears music. such sounds, what can one say but Salieri? Salieri is like, thanks. It's um, too sweet. Yeah. And uh, Mozart goes off and celebrates, comes home to his pregnant, long-suffering wife with all of the um, fr- his quote-unquote yes. friends from the lower end, or what's called common opera yeah. people. And uh, she's sitting there with her, with her tea, totally, totally in natural light at night, only lit by candlelight. And she, what does she tell him? Well, there are two, there are two visitors there from, from Salzburg. Yes. And she says, she says, yes. uh, these men are here to give you the news that your father is dead. Yep. Uh-oh. And then we jump straight to Don yeah. Giovanni. And we hear a whole bunch of stuff about how much he loves Don Giovanni. Yeah. It only got five performances, but he went to every single yeah. one of them secretly. Because he knew he, he loved knew it. that the character of the commandant in, or the, the ghost of the commandant in Don Giovanni was based on Mozart's father. And, um, you know, because he was at the party and he saw Mozart's father in the black costume and, and he knew all about their relationship. And he was like, I, only I knew what it was really about, that the, the father was still possessing the son from beyond the grave. And, and that's mm-hmm. when he got a wonderful, bitchy idea. <laughs> and what is he goes to a co- he goes to a, a costume store and he buys the same costume that is f- that Mozart's father was wearing during that costume ball. Yeah, and he shows up and he says, "Hello, I'm totally not Salieri. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to disguise my voice at all, but trust me, you don't know me. I want to commission a requiem from you. Here's money. Yeah, just do it. Right, and write it, and I'll be there to collect it. Now, how this is going to kill Mozart? Who knows." <laughs> Well, and, and and see, and Salieri himself, when he's talking to the priest about it, kind of mm-hmm. gets into that because I guess he never quite decides how he's going to kill him. Like he says to the priest, you know, actually, because his here's his plan. His plan is he's he secretly commissions Mozart to write a requiem. That's right. Then, then after he gets the requiem, he's going to somehow kill Mozart kill him. and then present and, the requiem as one of his yes. works present the requiem as his work and then everybody will hear this beautiful this beautiful funeral mass supposedly composed for Mozart by Salieri and that'll be that's his right. revenge and that's that's his, plan. that's his revenge against God his revenge right? against God yes cut to yeah. the common theater where we get to see a little bit of a play you know 
um, you know, with a horse that eats things and shoots and shits out sausage. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's madness. It, it's, it's nothing a, but it's madness. a parody of several of Mozart's operas. It's mm-hmm. like sort of a parody of a bunch of different. There's a little bit of, of Don Giovanni in there. There's a little bit of abduction from the Seraglio, the first one that we see in there. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of Figaro. Like they just, they, it's like a pastiche of a bunch of different Mozart plays or exactly. Mozart operas. Yeah. And his friend comes up and says, "Hey, how, how, why don't you write for us? You know, people would see it." You know, people would have seen The Marriage of Figaro like a million times. Yeah. If you had and, played it uh, here, it would have been more of a success. Right. And he's more and more drunk and not looking terribly well. Then he shows yeah. back up at Baron Harkonnen's house to beg. And he's really drunk. He's really <laughs> drunk. He's not even wearing a wig. And he's like, hey, I was thinking maybe I could, you remember your daughter? Well, I could tutor her. And he's like, my daughter is married and lives somewhere else. <laughs> that was years ago, dude. That was like, I don't know, 11 years. I don't know how long ago it was. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> and so he does. And uh, he goes home and he has a discussion with uh, the common theater guy. I can't remember his name. Shikinator. Then what does he want? Well, does um, he owe him money too? Well, no, because he 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 agreed to write a show. That's right for, That's for the theater, mm-hmm. and so Schickenator shows up to to check on his progress, and and Mozart hears the knock on the door and assumes it's the Man in Black, and he doesn't want to talk to the Man in Black. That's right, because so he, the Man so in he, Black he, wants his requiem, and he hasn't yeah. been really working on it. So he tells his wife, "Well, just you know, tell him I'm not here. Get rid of him. You know, tell him I've been working on it, but I need more time." Uh, so she opens the door and there's Schickenator and she thinks that, you know, this is who Mozart was talking about. And he comes and he's like, well, you know, how happy is he with it? Is he, is, is it almost done? And she's like, oh yeah, he's been working on it. It's right over there. And he walks in and picks up the music that Mozart was working on, which was the Requiem. The, the Requiem, yeah. And he's like, what's this? This isn't what I hired you for. And then Mozart comes out of hiding and he's like, that's, give me that. You know, that's not yours. Mm-hmm. And Schickenator says, well, where's the shit you've been writing for me? Because you said we could start rehearsal next week. And Mozart's like, oh, I finished it, but I haven't written it down yet. It's all it's in, all my, in head. my head. That where no one can access it. Get out. And, and later that Schickenator yeah. said, well, first he, he, he grabs him and shakes him and yells at him. He does. He has that line that I like, you know, I'm paying these people to wait for you. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and then uh, Constance says, you know, what's ridiculous is your libretto magic flutes, six foot snakes. Nobody's going to love. Nobody's going to want to see that shit. And Schickenator goes, oh, <laughs> and, uh, and then and, and he says, you know, Wolfie, write it down. Yeah. on paper it's no good to anyone in your head mm-hmm. so he's like all right fine i'll write it down Jesus. sure i will i've got a week worth of life left yeah, yeah, yeah. later <laughs> later that night later that night uh door knocks again and it's the guy in black and he's like hi it's totally not me salieri again where's where's <laughs> where's my music where's my shit dude he agrees he's going to work on it that night. Him and his wife begs him to stop working on it because it's driving him crazy or something. And he's like, fuck it. And doesn't he go out and party? Yeah, he yells at his wife and then she falls asleep and he sneaks out and mm-hmm. goes to a party and gets drunk. And yeah, that's right. He drunkenly staggers home where now he is sick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now his mother-in-law is there. 
And I guess he writes the show because now we cut back to the common theater where he's written the show. Um, he's dying yeah. conducting well, and, and the show. His, his, his wife has left because what happens is he, oh, comes that's right. home, he comes home from the party, that last party, and his wife has left and taken their kid. And then he goes to the mother-in-law and she's like, yeah, she left and I gave her money to go. And she went to the spa because she was sick too. And you're fully, and God, you're an asshole. And you've been a shitty husband. And I told her, I told her this was going to happen. And. Uh, mm -hmm. he's like, all right, fine. Do you want to be in the show? And she's like, yes, I would. And then we cut to her <laughs> singing in the show. She's not singing in the show. He's inspired by her shrill voice to she's write a, a musical yeah, number. Yeah. To, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's the magic flute, obviously. Yeah. This is the, the piece that he's written for, mm -hmm. for the people's theater. And, and, uh, and yeah. So he passes so, out conducting it. Yeah. And, uh, and Salieri is there, of course. Yep. Cause he secretly watches all of his shows. Yeah. And uh, he's like, pick him up. Let's take him back. Let's take him home. That'll work. They stuff him in a carriage. Salieri puts him in bed. He wakes up and he's like, oh, hey, uh, dude. <laughs> how's it going? How, how's, how's it hanging? Um, can I help you write your, your requiem? <laughs> yeah. Well, because see, the, the theater people show up. Oh yeah, to, to check on Mozart, and again, it's the it's like a it's it's like a farce. It's like you hear the knock on the door, and Mozart assumes it's the Man in Black. So Salieri goes and answers the door, and it's Schikaneder and a couple of the other actors. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, we just came to check on Mozart. Is he still alive?" And we wanted to and, thank him for that awesome show that he wrote for us. Yeah, if he's and, dead, and no big deal. But you know, if he's still alive, let him know. And 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 here's his share of the gate. Because right. the, 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 the deal with Mozart that they made with him was you get half the gate. That's how that's how we'll pay you. You get it. You will pay you half the gate. And uh, so he gives him this sack of coins, which is Mozart's share of that night's box office. And mm -hmm. Salieri is like, thanks. Hey, it was great. I loved it. Get out. Get out. Get out. And and then he walks into Mozart and just gives him the money. And Mozart yeah. assumes, oh, it was the man in black. Yeah. And, and he's Salieri, like, the man in black yeah. told me that if you don't have this done by the morning. He's going to come in here and he's going to cut your dick off. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> but I'll oh, help you write it. I'll help you write it to save your dick. And he's like, that's <laughs> awesome. We cut you would to try to save my dick? <laughs> cut to Constance, who's at a party getting hit on by dudes. Having a scene with the worst actor in the movie. Yes, he is. I've yes, always wondered, is. like, how the fuck did this guy get this part? He's he. I mean, he doesn't have a lot to do. All he's basically just feeding her lines. But he's here's, so here's, fucking bad. Here's how it happened. They they got the the room right. They set it up. They got it lit. They got the cameras in place. They got all the extras. They got everyone in costume. And then Milos Furman turned and said, "Where's the actor for this scene?" Yeah, you know. The woman playing Constance is there, ready to go. And they're like, Who's, who, who did we cast for this part? And everyone just kind of looked at each other. Uh, <laughs> and went, um, <laughs> who, we didn't know that this what? guy had lines. So, um, and he just grabbed the first costume dickhead and said, okay, yeah. you're doing this scene. And he said, thank you. Thank you very much. I just learned English three days ago. I don't even know where I Congratulations, kid. Am. You're getting your guild card today. Did, did I travel through time? Am I in old times now? Because I don't yeah. know what movies are. And he's like, what is just this? say these words. Just ask just her why them. she's leaving. Just, just Can we just write them on her chest so that he doesn't have to look at us to read the lines? <laughs> but she decides she's taken off. She's, she's going, going home. home. Yeah, She's going home. And then we get <coughs> that great scene. Yes, we're... 
Mozart is composing the Requiem and he's humming it to Salieri and Salieri is writing it down. And there's a, there's a couple of times where Salieri doesn't quite see where Mozart is going and he has to stop and explain it to him. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, they're, they're collaborating on writing. They're, they're the collaborating Requiem. on writing, which is something they did in real life. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> but what's great about this scene is that several times in the movie, Salieri has described that writing music is transcribing for God. Yes. That, he wanted to be that tool where what he wrote down was music that he was receiving from God that he was just putting on paper. Yeah. And what what angered him was that he thought that this was Mozart. Mozart was the one that God chose to yeah. write down this truly beautiful music that he absolutely loves. And now we have a scene where he is literally transcribing music for from Mozart. Yeah. So he he can view this in any number of different ways. I don't think he views Mozart as God, but this is no. the as far as the character in this movie goes, this is the closest that he's going to get to live his dream. He's getting that divine touch. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. Because yes. he he has made up his mind that Mozart, what Mozart comes up with, is divinely inspired. You know, he that Mozart is the tool through which God speaks, and now he yeah. is literally transcribing what God says. And he yeah. gets really into it. He really, he doesn't, you know, he gets, he appreciates every moment that they have. And they yeah. write through the night. It's the next morning. Mozart looks really bad because he's dying of movie. I don't know. What, no, one, no one really <laughs> I, I knows think, what he actually died of. I think okay. the implication is that he's basically drank himself to death at this point. But the movie no, doesn't did. tell you specifically like it's, what he's dying of. He died yeah. at 35. Yeah, he did actually die very young. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, according to what they said, he had fever, um, blisters, his legs were swelling. There, no, no, there's like 200 things that he could have had. <laughs> yeah. You know, to cause his death. Um, he's like, can I just rest a minute? And he's like, no, no, I can keep going. And you don't get this feeling like Salieri wants him to keep going so that he'll die. No, by because this point, it feels like Salieri is, is he's enjoying writing the collaboration exactly um but um what happens is he apologizes he asks for forgiveness from salieri mozart asks for forgiveness yeah mozart does because mozart truly felt that salieri didn't like his work and he says forgive me for thinking that salieri doesn't know how to react to that right right and then mozart dies the end no and then (laughs) (laughs) i mean pretty close yeah constance comes back Constance comes back and sees Salieri there. And so one of the reasons why it's great that the restored... So in the original theatrical cut, the whole her taking her top off and offering herself for sex to Salieri isn't in the movie. Right. But at the end of the movie, she acts very coldly to Salieri, a character that she really didn't spend any time with. Right. So and she says her line where she says, I regret I have no servants to show you out. Like that is right. in the director's cut. That's a direct callback. That's to a direct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, he Mozart's awake enough to kind of recognize that she's there. Right. And, you know, she has the the altercation with Salieri. But when she comes back to Mozart, he did. He has died. Yeah. And he also has uh, she has also she Constance has taken the music they were writing together. And oh, that's right. In a cabinet. So and Salieri, Salieri hates that because yeah. he said, oh, I almost did it. Yeah. Right. Cut to, you know, his burial. There weren't a yep. whole lot of people there. 
um, because the common burial was traditional um, in Vienna at that time, where you just get dumped in a hole and they throw some stuff on you and the, the, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what they don't didn't show and and probably should show is that after the burial, boy, did they have a bunch of memorial services for for Mozart in the city. Mm-hmm. You know, they this they make it seem like oh they dumped him in the ground and that was it. The end. And that was it. Yeah. No, there are lots of people, including Salieri, who who hosted memorial services for him. Salieri and two other composers were the only, some of the only people that were there to see him get be buried. Yeah, right. So we cut back. The priest is tying a hang a hangman's noose around his neck. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the priest has not had a good night. <laughs> the priest has had a terrible night. Salieri laughs. Yep, says, "This is your merciful God." He destroyed mm-hmm. his own beloved rather than let me share in the smallest part of his glory. Right. And then someone comes in and says, okay, it's time for your leeching or whatever it is. However, <laughs> time to take curing. a piss. <laughs> and they he come says in time and to they, water closet. So yeah. Yeah. And it's, and they wheel him out. Right. And yep. he's surrounded by crazy people who he labels what Steve mediocrities. The mediocrities, and right? He says and he's, he's their patron saint. He's the patron saint of mediocrity, and then the movie is over. Yes, he he is being wheeled through the the corridor there, and he's absolving them all of their that's of right their mediocrity. And that's then he right. hears Mozart's laugh in his head, and then that's the end. Yeah. Yep. So, Steve. Yeah, buddy. How do you feel about this? Um, I'll just zany comedy movie. Amadeus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know this, and I think I've mentioned this maybe a time or two on the show, but it's it's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, yeah. It was it was one of the first, like, quote, unquote, great movies I ever watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, on a technical level, it's as good as movies are ever going to get. I mean, um, Milos Forman pulls this off perfectly. I mean, even, even with the the debunked natural light thing. I mean, we it technically, it's... A superb movie it's gorgeous mm-hmm. to look at the cinematography is incredible almost entirely shot on location um and it's you know it's it's a technical marvel yep um and the cast is fantastic the almost every single member of this cast is not only good but is doing the best work they will ever do uh every character is interesting every performance is good it's never boring it's often very funny it's tragic mm-hmm. it's filled with some of the most exquisite music ever composed i mean mozart's music is all through it from beginning to end um and there's such joy in Mozart's music, and it creates it's this really powerful contrast in the film because so much of what we see of Mozart's life in Amadeus, especially in the latter portions, is so miserable. Mm-hmm. And we see like this miserable person is composing this joyful, beautiful, divine music. Sure. Um, but I don't want to talk about Mozart for the rest of my review because the movie's not really about Mozart. No, and, and that's one of the smartest choices that the movie makes, and that dates back to the play too. That's the choice that Peter Schaefer made. That um, it's not Mozart's life story; it's not a biography. Uh, it's we see Mozart seen through the eyes of Salieri, who in mm-hmm. this version, in in this story, is someone who both admires him and is also twisted by jealousy of him. Um, so I want to talk about Salieri because Salieri is really the star of the movie. He's the star of the film. Yeah. yeah. And he's one of the great tragic characters in drama, I think. Um, 
bears very little resemblance to the actual historical guy. No. But but none. that doesn't but that doesn't <laughs> but that doesn't bother me because this is a movie and I don't care, you know. Um, right, I know th- you don't this, care. This this version of Salieri, Salieri the character is consumed by his jealousy of Mozart. It's a jealousy that costs him his religious faith and his confidence in himself and his happiness. Um, It's a jealousy that drives him to do terrible things. And to me, the truly sad part is, if you, at least to me, the way I interpret it, if you watch the movie, Salieri is not actually a mediocrity in the movie. He's not. In, I, mean, I mean, in real life, he wasn't either. But even in the movie, we see him. He goes from a child in a small town to the court composer of Emperor Joseph in Vienna, composing, giving concerts. He's constantly praised and celebrated by his patrons and his peers. We what we hear of his music in the movie doesn't sound bad. Like, nope. by any rational standard, professionally and artistically, he is an incredible success. But he's not Mozart. Mm -hmm. He prayed to God to make him a great composer, and God answered his prayer, and he became a great composer. But we see that he struggles sometimes with his compositions. We see that, you know, he has denied himself many of the pleasures that come with his success and his position because he devotes his life to his work. And he's rewarded for all of that. But then he looks over here at Mozart, who doesn't seem to be working for it at all who seems Mm -hmm. willing to deprive himself of nothing, who lives this vulgar, debauched lifestyle, who writes whatever music he wants, even if it's about things the emperor has told him not to write about. He does it anyway, and he gets away with it, and the music is always incredible. And as soon as Salieri sees that, he's incapable of seeing himself as anything other than a mediocrity, even Mm -hmm. though to most reasonable outside observers, that's obviously not true. Right. But his tragedy runs deeper than that, because not only is Salieri jealous of Mozart, he's also resentful toward everyone else who fails to recognize Mozart for the talent he truly is. Mm -hmm. Mozart is highly regarded by the others in the film, but Salieri seems to be the only one who can see Mozart as the once-in-a-lifetime genius that he really is. None of the others really get it. And they're the same people who are telling Salieri how great he is, which means Mm -hmm. he can't just accept their praise because what do they know? They don't even appreciate Mozart. And they're the (laughs) ones telling Salieri that he's the best. So it's like it, he, he, even his, his praise and his adulation, he can't trust it. And, and ultimately even his own ability to recognize the genius of Mozart loses its uniqueness when he's an old man in the asylum. He complains to the priest that now, here we are 30 years later, no one plays his music anymore and everybody loves Mozart. The one thing about himself that he himself thought was special, that as bitter and as jealous as it made him to admit it, he was the one person who got how brilliant Mozart was. And now that's gone too, because he's lived to see the world catch up with him. And now everyone else thinks Mozart is a genius too. Mm -hmm. So he's a fascinating character. And F. Murray Abraham is incredible in the role. He floors me every time I watch the movie. And I've seen this movie dozens of times. I've seen this movie as many times as I've seen any movie. And there are multiple times where even though he's the villain and even though he is a bastard, he breaks my heart. Uh, The scenes where he's reading the sheet music and he's hearing it in his head. 
and and his hatred of Mozart falls away for those moments because the music is just so beautiful that all he can do is just is just feel it. Um, he's always honest with Mozart about his music and his talent, even when he's plotting behind Mozart's back to ruin him, even when he's helping Mozart write the Requiem Mass that he is planning to steal and pass off as his own work. He says to Mozart, I tell you, you are the greatest composer known to me. And he mm-hmm. means it. And you of course can he tell does. that he means it. And you can tell that it breaks his heart to say it. But that that's really what he believes. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I love the movie. I do wish the theatrical cut was available because I much prefer it to the director's cut. Do you really? Um, I think the theatrical cut is so much better than the director's cut. I don't think, I mean, I, the, the only argument I can make in favor of the director's cut is the bit we already mentioned where it does add some additional meaning to that scene at the end where Constance tells him yeah. to get out. Yeah. Um, that, that in, in the director's cut, that is clearly a callback to their earlier encounter. Um, but the scene, I mean, it's not like the scene doesn't work in the theatrical cut. And I mean, almost everything that is put back in in the director's cut is stuff that I think was just as well taken out. Like the stuff with, as you say, Baron Harkonnen and the dogs, like all of that is, that's all stuff that was added back in. We don't need that. You know, there's a couple of times, there's a couple of lines they give back to old Salieri when he's talking to the priest that just kind of make him seem a little bit repetitive and just kind of drag those scenes out. Um, Mm -hmm. So I much prefer the theatrical cut and I would love for that version to become available again at some point. Um, But other than that, it's a damn near perfect movie with wonderful music and great performances, including F. Murray Abraham as Salieri, which is one of my favorite performances ever. So highly recommended. Okay. (laughs) My turn. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. This is one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, I'm going to just say that right off the bat. This is one of my favorite movies ever. Everything that Steve said, I agree with. This is a fantastic portrait of what jealousy can drive a person to do, right? And what's great about it is, is that Salieri is jealous while acknowledging the genius that he's witnessing. Yeah. And rather than transfer, he, he transfers his anger from Mozart to God. Because we've established this character has given everything so that God will grant him the ability to compose. And now here along comes a person who doesn't seem deserving of it, who has received this gift. And rather than stating, you know, like most people, they would say something if someone else comes along and they're more talented. They'll say something like, they're not talented. They go into denial. They go, this person's not talented. He doesn't deserve this. You know, I'm obviously better than him or that or the other thing. That isn't what happens. What happens is jealousy drives him to not only acknowledge Mozart, as a talent, but also to drive his revenge against God. He's not trying to revenge himself against Mozart necessarily. Mozart behavior doesn't help, but that's ultimately what happens. Different circumstances in this film, they probably could have been friends. If Mozart had been a different person in this film, they probably could have been friends. Like they were in real life. But they, it's actually contended. They did have rivalries. They did do stuff. But from the historical fact... They did support each other while they were alive. They did. Salieri, you know, had an opportunity to put up one of his own operas, and he said, no, 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 well, let's put up this Mozart opera in its, in its place, right? Yeah. And they weren't such strangers and rivals that they, their families didn't interact with each other, nor did he ever say anything terribly out of place 
or, or off-putting about Mozart. This movie had, was inspired by a rumor by a new school. That, let's, let's say that Mozart changed things in opera. And the people who followed Mozart a hundred years down the road, you know, came up with this idea that Salieri poisoned him out of jealousy, even though there's nothing. It's just simply rumor. It's some, mm-hmm. simply because he was very much, much of the old guard. He was trained by Gassman, and, and Gassman was part of the old guard, along with Bach. And, you know, Salieri recognized that his style of music was fading away and that he couldn't compose. Salieri lived a very long time after Mozart died. And he had a career. He was a teacher. He was a tutor. He, you know, there were a lot of people who appreciated him for what he was. But we're going, we're making a movie based on a rumor. A rumor intentionally created to destroy his character, to assassinate Salieri. In real life, Salieri faded into obscurity. He kind of disappeared for a little while. And then this asshole dug up his memory and assassinated his character again. Because there's lots and lots of people who think this is based on a true fucking story. Don't they, Steve? Oh, sure. Oh, for sure. And just like with Braveheart, I have a problem with that. And my problem with that is, is that when you were using real people... And, but you're telling historic fiction. You need to make sure that the fiction narrative is way ahead when you're marketing this fucking movie, right? Now, that being said, it is still an excellent movie. Separated from all of the historical context, this is a fantastic movie with great characters, a rich storyline. Yes, it is depressing, but the performances are so goddamn good. And, you know, that's what I, I appreciate it as a film. As a film, I, I thoroughly enjoy this film. When I was a teenager, I thought it was true. When this came out, I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. And apparently lots of other people, you know, lots of people other thought, oh, this is how Mozart was in real life. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he had his problems. He yeah. did have his problems. He liked to drink and he liked to overspend. But was he Tom Holtz? Probably not. And that's where I have a, a little problem. If you're watching this, watch this as historic fiction. Don't watch this as historic fact. Now, the benefit, the ironic part, is that this movie inspired people to look up Salieri's work. Uh-huh. And when they did so, they started mounting his productions again. And they found some of his lost works as well. It brought him back to fame. Granted, what, 200, 200 years after he had died... Yeah. And faded away from any influence. You know, a lot of his work was thought was lost, but people found it and started the interest in him started coming up. And people who really wanted to know the true story would find out that no, Salieri wasn't like this at all. No, he wasn't some weird, you know, weird opera virgin who never had sex <laughs> with anyone. He was fucking married. <laughs> And no, he did not consider some, himself a mediocrity. He, he approached his career actually very pragmatically. He, he approached his career as recognizing, okay, well, this is the new opera, and I can't really do that, but I have other things that I can do. You know, I, I can teach people appreciation for music. I can teach people how to be musicians. I can, you know, that's one of the reasons why he has Beethoven as one of his pupils. Um, and so now, as I'm older and I know the truth of it, I will always have a little sticking point about what this movie could possibly inspire in people, which is misinformation. A nasty rumor spread by haters who only did it so that they could 
make fun of people who came before them. Basically, it was like these were the these were the Mozart stands, and they came up with <laughs> yes. any fucking conspiracy theory they could think of to make the people who pre- you know preceded him look bad. Right? If this was mm. taking place in the internet, these would be the people after Mozart died and was posted on Twitter would come up and say, "Well, we know Salieri probably poisoned him." And I was like, "No, it's pretty yeah. obvious. He didn't live a very healthy lifestyle. He died on his own." No, it's totally Salieri. He totally did it. And it's like there's no, literally yeah. no evidence for that. <laughs> it wasn't all the drinking and whoring that Mozart was doing. That's right. In it Europe was none of in that. The 18th century. It was, exactly. No, he must have been murdered. It wasn't a combination of he lived in the 18th century and you could die of a cold. It wasn't <laughs> they didn't the fact have that medicine for anything that he and his <laughs> wife had six children and only two of them lived because that's yeah. the time period that we're talking about. No, no, no. He must have been poisoned slowly by Salieri because he was so jealous. And it's like there's no evidence. He never wrote anything. Yeah. That indicated that the incredibly successful like Salieri was jealous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but as far as the movie is concerned, the movie on its own, divorced from any of that, is a fantastic film. It deserves the praise. It de- deserves the praise that it gets, and it is one of my favorite movies ever. I honestly don't know how many times I've watched it. Yeah, me um, But it's an, again one of those very watchable films. And when you first look at it, you go, "Oh, that's a little long," but it just shoots right past you, and it's from the passion of the of of the characters and from the performances that really drives this thing through you know there's no chase scenes no one's on a carriage chase there's no you know real sex scenes other than the one they put back in and that's not really a sex scene and you know it's you know there's no fights no there's no fights right there's no grand conspiracy this isn't like a murder mystery where someone's trying to find out who who murdered mozart you know (laughs) This is, what it, this is what it is, a long confessional mm-hmm. from someone who, you know, feels so badly that he, he tries to, com, you know, kill himself. Now, that is also something that Salieri did. He did try to kill himself because he had, he fucking had dementia. That's why. Mm-hmm. Not because he, he started screaming, I murdered Mozart to anyone <laughs> who would listen. So, yeah, I think this is a classic film. It deserves to be a classic film, and I love it to death. And just everyone remember, grain of salt, because I would be a hypocrite if I didn't point out the historical inaccuracies in this after fucking ragdolling Braveheart Braveheart. for doing the exact same thing. But the difference is Braveheart isn't a good movie, even without all of the historical inaccuracies. It's just a terrible film. Yeah, this is a great film, but I have to acknowledge, guys, this is not. This is just historic fiction, okay? Yeah. So don't do it. And I do feel a little badly that this guy who lived a fairly decent life as a composer, that what they decided to do was the only time that we bring up his life is based on a gross rumor. Yeah. Started by people who just didn't like him because they just didn't because he wasn't Mozart. So fuck them. Yeah, well, I mean, I I I I agree with what you're saying. Like I do think it's a shame, you know, that people have that this version of Salieri has kind of become the popular conception of him. Um Man, he's a joke. You're, if you're going to describe right. someone who's jealous yeah. of somebody else, you can well, literally call them Salieri. Call him a Salieri, of course. Yeah. Well, but but part of that is also I think due to the fact that a lot of people, when they see a movie like this, they take the most superficial interpretation of the character. 
Because mm-hmm. yeah, Sally, yes, of course, Salieri is jealous and Salieri is, you know, you know, the mediocrity, quote unquote. But again, like I said in my review, like if you, to me, when I watch this movie, I see Salieri as a magnificent character. And so do I. As, and as an epically tragic figure. And I don't find him pathetic and I, I find him tragic and I find him sad, but I don't find him pathetic. And I don't think, I don't think of him as all oh, that loser salary like I don't, and I don't think that's how the movie presents him. But if you take a very superficial view of it and you're like, oh yeah, he's the guy who was really he's, jealous of Mozart, you know, he's a great tragic figure. Yeah, absolutely. And what makes him so great is that one of the he internalizes his jealousy and he turns all of his accomplished accomplishments to shit. Yeah. He literally tears himself down. Yeah. And it drives him mad. You're right. You're absolutely right. You know, he is you know, basically a counselor to the king, to the emperor. The emperor will seek him out for advice. Um, that wasn't a job that you just got. In, you know, during that time period. But that doesn't mean anything to him because he thinks that everyone else doesn't appreciate music on his level. Yeah. Well, it's just like... And they kind of don't. They kind of don't. It's like he can... And it's it's the kind of thing that I think people who who deal with their own insecurity issues. I mean, it's a kind of thinking that I think is familiar to a lot of people. Um, you know, Salieri, there's that scene where we see Salieri's opera being played and then, you know, the the emperor hands him an award and the, em- the emperor of Austria literally says, you are our greatest composer and I think this is the greatest opera ever written. And mm-hmm. for most people, that would be pretty cool. But that would you, be awesome. But you know that Salieri is thinking, based on things we've heard him say and that he said earlier in the film, you know that inside of his head, he's, he thinking, he's thinking, what does this guy know? He doesn't know anything about music. Yeah, he, like he, says, he, it to, he says it to Mozart. He finds a way to, to negate it mm-hmm. and say, oh, sure. Yeah, Emperor Joseph says I'm the greatest composer. What does he know? He doesn't know shit about music. So even that, like he can't, that doesn't count. That's him negating it and saying, like, yeah, but, you know. But none of them seem to appreciate Mozart for, for what he is. People no. will say, we, we agree that you're talented. Yeah. But that's about the extent of their appreciation. Most of them in the movie want to see Mozart's downfall, just like Salieri does. Sure. But Salieri doesn't give a shit about their opinions because he thinks they're wrong. Yeah. He acknowledges. Mozart's a genius. Absolutely. He is a genius and no one is appreciating his music. When Salieri is giving him the performance, you know you never, you didn't give them a big bang at the end of the, at the end of the the act, so that people know how to applaud, right? Yeah, that's bad for Mo. He appreciates the fact that he didn't do it. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. But he's well, trying I, to provide Mozart with reasons as to why the public, yeah. who he doesn't think very highly of, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and didn't again, that, appreciate that's, his music. And that's another moment of, of truth between the two of them where, um, cause Mo, and it's, it's a rare moment of vulnerability for Mozart too, because Mozart says to Salieri in that same scene, he says, what did you think of it? Did you like it at all? And, the, and, oh, yeah. and, and Salieri says, I thought it was marvelous. And you can, mm-hmm. and again, it's that moment of honesty. Like you can tell that regardless of all his plots and plans, like when he talks to Mozart about music, he's always completely honest. And, Most of his plots you know, and plans are in his head. Yeah. He didn't kill Mozart in this movie. No, no. The, even the movie doesn't say he was responsible for killing no. Mozart. No. 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 Mozart died by his own hand, basically. Yeah. Um, he was just kind of tormenting him a little bit. 
But his whole I'm pretending to be the ghost of your father bullshit wasn't, I mean, it was seemed to cause him some mental distress, but he was already there. He was on his way. He was in pretty yeah. bad shape. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was just happenstance that he got sick. Yeah. Right? Um, and so when you have this character by the end of it who has all of this regret and who has torn down his own ego to the point where he's calling himself what is the print the the, the the saint the patron, of the patron the saint, patron of, saint mediocrity. of mediocrity <laughs> when he's not he's not mediocre yeah. no um, that's the true tragedy of the character he had so much potential he could have been he could have been close friends with him right he could have yeah. they could have been they could have you know uh, well they did let's face facts they were rivals. But they supported each other when they were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, let's say someone did it. Okay, Steve, let's just say <laughs> 200 years from now, we're, our podcast is the only surviving podcast, right? <laughs> okay. But someone has decided they couldn't have really been that close of friends. Jason they must have secretly have, hated each other. Yeah. Jason had to have killed Steve in that boating accident. <laughs> but Steve was drunk. <laughs> Number one, Steve never left the house. We all know that. Why was he out on the ocean that night? Where'd he even get a boat? (laughs) But they decided that this is the story they're going to tell, this made-up story from a rumor from someone who didn't eat like our show. Yeah, from like 100 years (laughs) after we're dead, yeah. You know, or one of your stands, right? Yeah, oh yeah. It's one of your, I can think of at least four who would probably do it. Jason killed Steve. Uh, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about too. I can think of um, one or two. <laughs> but one of them wrote a short story. It got turned into a play, and then it got turned into a movie. Where I'm, you know, I'm just desperately jealous of something about you, and and yeah. that's that's that becomes our story, right? Not that we were best friends, and then I I mourned having to kill you. No, I'm kidding. I mourned. <laughs> you did to- kill me, but it didn't make you happy. <laughs> It was a mercy killing. He asked me to do it. <laughs> it was just something that had to happen. I took no joy it's, in it. It's like that von, It's like that Ventura movie, Dancer in the Dark. Yeah. Just hey. watch that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much us. He asked me to. Um, anyway. But like, you know, it, it does a disservice to their actual relationship. To a certain extent. Sure, of course it does. Now, if anyone wants to bother and look it up and see what really happened, like I eventually did. Yeah. I it didn't make me hate the movie, but it did make me think, did this cause damage? Did this cause problems? Now, overall, it didn't because people, a lot of opera people went forward and said, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't yeah, That's Salieri. not how it went down, yeah. Antonio Salieri is a big figure in opera. This is the stuff he did. This yeah. is the people he influenced. These are the people he taught. You know, stop it. <laughs> well, and don't you think that... I, I think the fact of it being inaccurate is fairly widely known now. Like I think people, I think pe- maybe I think, people, who, I maybe hope. people, people who saw it back forty years ago may have, and and I, and I think in many cases did like just sort of assume that that was basically true. But the movie has been talked about so often that well, I think I'm people, hoping that no one is approaching Abadeus. Yeah. yeah, I hope they're not approaching it cold. Yeah. Right, you know, and I don't think there are many goobers who are like, "Well, there's no car chase blowy up movies on. I guess I'll watch this thing called Amadeus." Watch Amadeus. I don't even know what opera is, but I'll watch that. What kind of piano is that? The keys are black. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hoping that that's the case—that people can yeah. approach it as historic fiction, yeah. rather than 
assuming that it's it's something that actually happened because there are real people in it and yeah. it takes place in olden times. Right. I think it, I think you know I because I did the same thing. I eventually uh, read up on the real Mozart and the real Salieri and and you know realized that the movie is not accurate. Um, right. And I think it was probably one of the big formative experiences for me that convinced me that or or revealed to me i guess that i don't care about that mm-hmm. you know that 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 if you're if you're making a movie as a narrative as a story not as a documentary and right. it's about real events or real people and it takes liberties with what actually happened what's most important is the movie and the story not mm-hmm. if this not movie had accurate. a little blurb that said this movie is a work of fiction. Don't believe none of this. <laughs> Please don't. Here, here, are, here are the true things that happened in this movie. Mozart actually wrote this music. The end. <laughs> that is the end. That's the only thing that you can count on as being true. <laughs> Everything else is kind of fucked up backwards. So we don't, got, you know. they think Some things have been fudged a little. Just okay. See, it doesn't bother me that much when someone takes fictional characters and does it. People have been doing that to Sherlock Holmes for the last hundred years. Well, yeah. <clears throat> But when it comes to real people, I always want, I always cite on the truth, or at least try to cite on the, what the facts that we know on hand. It's kind yeah. of like if someone decided to make a movie about real science and then they fucked the science beyond all comprehension, I would have a problem with that. Yeah. You know I, mean, I mean, I see that, I see that point of view, but I also see sort of the Werner Herzog point of view where like he would go and whisper things in the ears of his documentary subjects and tell them what to say because he thought that would make it a better movie. <laughs> you know, like I kind of, I get that. I, I, I kind of like, that's not how I, if I made a documentary, I wouldn't do that. You get but my, my approach to documentary should that. be, you get what you get. Don't put words in their mouths so that you get better sound bites. Uh, well, that's not what Werner would say. He'd say, say it well, like Werner's this. old and he needs to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so i recommend steve you yes, recommend very much okay very much steve not recommend something so we can stop <gasps> the show this is one of the easiest not recommends that i have ever had to come up with because there is another movie that came out about 10 years later that is kind of sort of it's not exa- it's not a similar movie in many ways but in a, it's it's another it's another prestige movie about a famous composer um, instead of being about Mozart, is it Beethoven? Instead of being about Mozart, it's about Beethoven. Does it have Gary Oldman in it? It has Gary Oldman in it. <laughs> I wanted it to be good so bad. Oh, everybody wanted it to be good. I saw this movie and I was like, please let this be Amadeus, but about Beethoven. And <laughs> and it's just not. I'm, of course, it's. I'm talking about Immortal Beloved. Yes, that has an amazing cast. It's not just Gary Oldman. It's Isabella Rossellini. It's Yaron Crab. It's. I mean, it's just. It's. It's a great cast. Yep. It looks good. It seems like it's one of those movies that you watch it and you keep waiting for it to get good, and it just never does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just watching it going come on it's got to get good at some point look at who's in it look what it's about look how beautiful it is and it's like nope it just never happens nope. uh, so yeah it's it's about the life of beethoven and just like in amadeus we get the life of mozart as seen through the lens of salieri's jealousy um immortal beloved is the life of beethoven as seen through the mystery 
of who the mysterious woman is who he addressed as his immortal beloved in in his private letters. And it's been a a historical mystery for all these years. Which one of the women in his life, which one of his students or lovers or whatever, who was his immortal beloved? And after, it's kind of like Citizen Kane with Beethoven. After Beethoven Mm -hmm. dies, there's like an investigation. Who is this mysterious immortal beloved? And what answer do Um, they give in the movie? I think in the movie, don't they say it's Isabella Rossellini? I don't care. I can't By remember. that point, I didn't give a shit. I think they say it's Isabella Rossellini, but I can't remember. Um, and yeah, you're right. That's the real. The, the answer is by the end of the movie, you don't give a shit. Um, yeah. They, they do this really contrived scene of Beethoven. It's like a flashback to when Beethoven was a boy and he was running away from his abusive father and... He lays down in the water at, at night, and there's a shot of young Beethoven floating in the water with the the, the stars and the, and the the perfectly clear sky being reflected. So it's like he's floating in the sky, and um, as that's happening, you hear the Ode to Joy from Beethoven's Ninth playing, and it's supposed to be this really amazing, beautiful moment, and it just feels so contrived and so clunky, and it's sure. just the whole movie is like that. It's just a big disappointment. So. Um, I mean, I'll, so unless you just want to listen to a bunch of Beethoven music while watching a mediocre movie, <laughs> like there's no reason to watch it. Unfortunately, uh, I wish it was better, but it's just not. So my not recommendation is Immortal Beloved. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. And it's what is it? 1984. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't going to find another composer movie out, but I was going to find something that was set in oldie times. Not that oldie times, World War One era. And uh, it is a movie based on a famous book by M. Somerset Maugham. And that movie is called The Razor's Edge. Ooh, never seen that. Good. <laughs> it is your not recommend, so yeah. It's a long, bland, tedious remake, because the original starred Tyrone Power. Hmm. And it was the quote-unquote, I'm going to be a serious actor movie from Bill Murray. Oh, my. And guess what? Bill Murray is awful in this movie. <laughs> Hadn't quite figured it's, out the dramatic actor thing yet, I guess. No, not yet. But, I mean, it's, I mean that's what it is. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's unwatchable, but it is just so overly long and tedious. Mm. And Murray just didn't have the chops to play that role at that time. Could he ever? I have no idea. But... Um, it was just, it's just, ugh. and he got terrible reviews, and for a really good reason, is because he was bad in it, <laughs> and he didn't try that shit again, not until he got older. Yeah, you know, and he found roles that were more, you know, towards his style of acting. Yeah, one of those things is you're never ever going to be able to divert, divorce um, Murray from comedy. Mm-hmm. He's done it a couple of times, but to you know, some success. He played he played FDR in a movie yeah. a couple of years ago, and it was uh, not super memorable. It's like, unfortunately, you point at him and go, "That's Bill Murray. He's not the president." That's not Franklin Roosevelt. That's Bill Murray getting wanked off in a car by Laura Linney. <laughs> I'm not saying I blame him. No, I mean, but who it's not FDR. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? If I thought about that, boy, I'd love to be winged up in a car by Laura Linney. That'd be great. That's all I could think about while watching Congo. I was like, oh, boy. You turned to your wife saying, how many times have I said that? That's what I want. 
It's all I want before I die. <laughs> Has Make-A-Wish called back, by the way? Yeah, but it's the razor, Razor's Edge. Don't, don't, don't. Hey, Steve. Yes, my friend. Hey, guess what time it is? It's time for me to make a terrible choice. No, it isn't. Or is you it? Know why? Because I'm a fucking tyrant. You're... I'm a tyrant, and what we do, I say we do. You're pulling rank. I'm pulling rank. You're making a royal a decree. There's a movie, number one, that we failed to pick mm-hmm. that we need to get done. Okay. We need to do it. You know what movie that is? Well, of course you, you are, do. I you told are, you. You already told me, but I'm going to pretend that I don't know. What movie is okay, it? Okay, let's... Predator. <gasps> the Arnold Schwarzenegger... Uh, who's the other guy? Um... Carl Weathers. I want to say, thank you. I want to say Carl Emily Jr. Carl Emily Jr. <laughs> at 95. <laughs> Where's the Predator? I remember when we were casting for Dracula. I. <laughs> you know, Charlie Chaplin was something of a Predator. All right, Carl. <laughs> yes, we know. He had my wife. And he could have had her. She told me. That's why I quit movies after Freaks. I got so angry I, I made quit Freaks. quit movies and... after Freaks. <laughs> I can't do this anymore, I said. Can you just point the gun and shoot it, Carl? <laughs> Whose idea was this? <laughs> but we're going to be doing Predator. Yeah. And for the first time only. Well, the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Not only. We're going to have a guest. Yeah, a very special guest. A very special guest who's going to be reviewing it with us. Longtime listeners of Let Me Listen remember a show called Cinema Shack that was hosted by my brother Mike. And so my brother Mike is going to come on to the show. We're just going to push. We're going to talk so much that Steve's not going to be able to get a word in edgewise. He's going to sit there and he's going to say things like, well, I think, and we'll both say shut up in unison at the same time. You just sit there and you nod. That's what you do. I'll bring a book. I'll I'll bring a book. Just in case. It won't be like that. It'll be fine. But I want my brother. I want my brother because he loves Predator more than, I don't know, pizza. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> more than he pizza? Loves, wow. He loves Predator. Who doesn't love Predator? I love Predator. Steve loves Predator. Predator. Who doesn't love Predator? Predator? Exactly. And so that's going to be the next movie. So go out and rush out and watch Predator if you haven't done it. I honestly don't know who I'm talking to <laughs> um, at this point, but we've all seen Predator. Predator. It's our Christmas movie, watching Predator. <laughs> okay, kids, gather around. We're going to watch Predator just like every year. Anybody can watch it. Little kids, because it's got aliens in it. Yeah. You know, older kids, because it's got violence in it. Mm-hmm. Your grandpa, because he gets it mixed up with his with his tour in Da Nang. <laughs> and he's like, that's exactly what they were like. They could disappear into the foliage and they had <laughs> okay. green glowing okay. blood. Okay, grandpa. No, it's true. Okay. I remember when I got home. The hippies would spit on me and say, alien killer. And I'd be like, I had to. (laughs) You don't know what it was like over there. Whatever gets you to your coffin with a clear conscience, Grandpa, if you want to pretend that you killed aliens. It was a village full of aliens that I burned. (laughs) I strafed all those aliens as they tried to run away. They were trying to get back to their spaceship. If you don't tell us where your spaceship is buried, we're going to start killing the children. <laughs> wow, we went dark. Uh, <laughs> Predator and Platoon both start with a P. No, hey, we should mash hey. those two things up. Hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. And Schwarzenegger can sit in for the uh, 
What's his name role? Not okay. Just pick one. He could be the. He could be well, either one. Part. He could be the good but guy. But he'd be or the like, "Why do I have to die so early in the movie? I think Why maybe I, I should survive the until the end. <laughs> can I be the other Scarface guy, except without the scars on his the face? Other, the other Scarface guy. <laughs> I want to play a dual role. I want to be them both. You do with it twins. With, you do it with the green screen to have the technology. Uh, Schwarzenegger has come up with a rewrite of our Platoon Predator mashup. And now he's playing triplets. He was- <laughs> but the third twin is Danny DeVito. And, but he's voicing DeVito. So that <laughs> Matt, the voice is Matt. DeVito. <laughs> yeah, so crazy to be reunited with my other brothers. And now here we are in the That's jungle right. of Vietnam fighting the Predators. Who are also the, new the name Vietnamese is army. Pl- platoon of Predator Twins. That's that's <laughs> what we're calling it. Yeah. We're going on a publicity tour. Also, I can't walk anymore because of my legs. Oh, I wait, wanna... I have to go do a World of Tanks ad. <laughs> I want to go on all the talk shows. I want to go on Jet Leno and Conan O'Brien. No, those are, they don't have talk shows anymore, Arnold. Yes, of course they do. We're going on the I'm shows. Going to, going to go on Johnny Carson. <laughs> going after. to go on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He's going to love he's, it. He's really dead, Arnold. I don't. I don't know how. No. I want to go on the Joan Rivers show. And then Arsenio Hall. I want to see Arsenio Hall. I do the woof, woof, woof with the dog pound and things like this. Do you honestly think we're in the early nineties? <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm a movie star. <laughs> You are aware that your scandal has been exposed. No, no. Right? <laughs> I want to you go mean to Batman the... and Robin. <laughs> it was the number one grossing film in Czechoslovakia. So anyway, my brother Mike's going to try to take part in this next week. Uh, we'll each be a Schwarzenegger. It'll be great when we review Predator. Anyway. Uh, thanks, guys, for uh, listening in once again. For late seating, this is Jason Harding, and see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. Please always remember, all men are equal in God's eyes. Well, except for you, Salieri. Except for you, Salieri. Yes, you yeah. are. The, you are scum on the bottom of God's foot. <laughs> That's right. In fact, you can see that in the addendum of the Bible at the very back part, where he says, "All all, all men are equal in God's." Eyes. Actually. I don't know where it says that in the Bible, do you? I don't, I don't think it, it says, actually oh, says that. No, it doesn't. That's that's some shit that God people made up. Doesn't routinely pick favorites out of the Bible? <laughs> people actually, people much later said, I mean, he, God probably thinks everybody's equal, right? Right? Yeah, sure. Right. Let's not right, check right. that. <laughs> Let's just assume. I mean, based on my reading of the Bible, maybe you should be relieved that you're not one of his favorites because I've seen what his favorites have to go through. They don't come out too well, do they? They don't. They're... they're it's really bad. It's like, like really bad. I mean, like if you read the Gospels, you know, he, he the the clouds part and the sunbeam comes down and the voice of God says to Jesus, "This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased." And then literally like the next page he's on that cross. <laughs> so like <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't want to be one of God's favorites after. Yeah. That. So, you know, what 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 chance do any of the other favorites of God have in that right moses got off light yeah he just had to wander around for a while yeah yeah he didn't have god showing up going kill your kid kill him prove it (laughs) prove it you're my favorite i love you kill kill your kid or totally or i'm serious or just fucking up job's life for no reason 
<laughs> like, like at least with 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 Isaac, he was like, "Kill your <sighs> kill your kid." Nah, I'm just kidding. You don't have to kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like with yeah. with Job, he was like, "I'm gonna kill your kids. I'm gonna kill your wife. I'm gonna take your house. I'm gonna fuck you up. I'm gonna give I'm gonna you kill boils. all your farm animals. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna completely boils? I'm gonna completely ruin your life, and I'm not gonna give you any of it back. That's right. You're just gonna have to. St- because I need to prove a point to the I most evil being who has ever existed. The most evil being that has I need to prove a point to the embodiment of evil. <laughs> yeah, this this really means a lot to me. So yeah, maybe it's better. Maybe um, you know you. Maybe, maybe it's, it's better. Good. Yeah. So good yeah. for you, Salieri. So you you win in the end. Maybe there should be a gospel of Salieri in the Bible. Oh, I would love. I would love to read a gospel of Salieri written by like the the Amadeus version of Salieri, and it's just the most bitter, <laughs> passive aggressive, you know, hateful, <laughs> hateful towards God. Towards God, yes, absolutely. Ah, boy. And then a church forms. The Church of Salieri. I, I wish he was. I wish he was the the patron saint. Yeah. Of mediocrity. I would pray to him. Oh yeah. We'd all go to it. <laughs> it would be our national religion. It would be. Think about it. It would be everybody on YouTube, everybody that, that everyone that posts anything onto the internet. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, it's the national yeah. faith, mediocrity. <laughs> but how would that work? I don't know. We we, we just think we're shit. We, uh, it would basically be Catholicism. We would all go into the church and talk about how much we suck. Please <laughs> welcome, welcome. Please open your Bibles to Psalm 28 in the book of Salieri. The Psalm of the Loser. (laughs) (laughs) Thou art useless. (laughs) Thou art not special. If thou thinkest thou art special, stop that shit immediately. (laughs) Whatever thou wants, thou shalt not get. (laughs) Look, look thee to your right. Look thee to your left. Those people are more special than thou. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're done. You ready? I'm ready. Done. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.